When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's going to be first to the floor here, and it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. The ground drives, scoop way up the glass. That's not the first time we've seen a superstar in green and white. He sacrificed his body. Sorry, Nick. Knocked away. Welcome in to another episode of First of the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. It is August 31st, 38 days until the first game of the preseason. We're hanging in there, folks. Alongside me, as he often is, it's Wade Spoonie. Spoonie, how you doing, mate? Can you smell that, Ben? It's the smell of freshly oiled parquet. It's getting close, man. It's getting close. We're preparing. We'll be there soon. Doing good. Upon us. Great to hear. <laughs> and of course, the man with the mistress hot take, Jake Eisenberg. Jake, how you doing, sir? Let's go. Well, I can't believe you catered for our American audience by lying to them and saying that it's the 31st of August when in fact <laughs> it is the 1st of September. You traitor, man. Yeah. Traitor. How dare you? How I dare am you? indeed broadcasting from the future here in the <laughs> yeah. eastern, southern eastern hemisphere. Uh, and wherever you're broadcasting from, there's a lot to get to in the Celtics world today. Um, Uncommon in the NBA offseason, but not uncommon for the first of the floor boys here, bringing the news, bringing probably another one-hour podcast here in the depth of the offseason. We've got to start right. with the Celtics signing Svi Mihailuk, which I practiced off-air, guys. Did I get that? I got it? Mihailuk? Nailed it. Nailed Signed it. to a one-year deal. We woke up to this news uh, this morning, at least in this part of the world. 6'7", just talking physical dimensions here very quickly before <laughs> we get to the good stuff. 6'7", 26 years old, 205 pounds. A 6'5 wingspan. Uh, oh, some of that in negative dimensions. Into our <laughs> I bunch. snuck that in. I snuck <laughs> it in. Uh, and he is a guard slash wing. So, Spoonie, I guess just general reactions to the Mihailuk signing. Does this mean that TJ Warren and uh, the other gentlemen, Lamar Stevens and Louis King, are, are those guys off the table? And uh, yeah, how does this sort of set the course for the Celtics going forward? I don't want to say they're off the table just because we do have an open roster spot. We're getting really close to that second apron, though. Um, but it it just kind of, I think, is showing again with Brissett, with Banton, Brad's targeting deep bench guys who have played real NBA minutes that are still young, right? We're not getting 33, 34, 35-year-olds. He's, he's looking at guys who have shown something. And then maybe they could pop playing next to Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. So Svee's an interesting dude. Like he played about 30 games last year, most of them for the Hornets. And he had some like big games, like borderline triple doubles and stuff like that. Uh, you know, basically playing yeah. against nothingness. At, you know, like they're they were completely out of the playoffs by that point, but Last year, almost 44% on catch-and-shoot threes, 43% from the corners, but he's a shooter, right? That's what he's known for. That's what's going to keep him in the NBA. The reason he's kind of almost on his way out of the NBA is 31.2% on catch-and-threes the year before that. Two years ago, 33.2% on catch-and-shoot threes, but, but, and this is an important but, he's always been money from the corners. 
Last year, 39.5% from the corners, even though he shot 31.2%. 41.5% on the corners two years ago, even though he shot 33.2%. So, like, he's got a very clear role on an NBA team, like 6'7 wing that can bury corner threes. And you just got to hope he doesn't get completely murdered on defense, which, uh, you know, jury's still out. Some good How, defensive highlights there, Jake. What are yeah, we oh, yeah. yeah. Look. <laughs> You go back and look as randomly the highlights that Ben just ran that I cut together. I randomly caught Sfee's, like one of his best games as a Hornet. 18, five rebounds, eight assists, three steals, two blocks, one of which on our good friend Josh Giddy. Look, Brad's building the stable here, boys. Mm-hmm. Six, seven, six, eight, just galloping around the paddock, um, <laughs> doing all kinds of stuff like shooting and, and playmaking. So, uh, Nikias Duncan. A much more intellectually sound basketball mind than at least myself. I'll, I'll let you two uh, guys be the judge of that one. But he tweeted out that he likes this move um, for the Celtics. Was pretty good as a secondary playmaker. Um, held up okay on defense. On the Svee pick and roll, he generated 1.22 points per possession among 226 players to receive at least 100 on-ball picks. That ranked first. Insanely wow. low volume comparatively compared to James Harden and Trey Young, who were over 3,000. But I like that, like, this guy can play basketball. You know, yep. when, you, when, you, when you think about guys you can throw out there that can, like, shoot, dribble, pass, play as part of the offense. Um, I think, you know, a guy that has the capability on a random night for the opposing fans to leave the building being like, I can't believe Sfima Kyluk just had 18, 5, and 8. And we lost by three. He, they won that game by three points on the road in Oklahoma City. Um, it's fine. It just adds to the stable. We got six, seven, six, eight. We got athletes. We got shooters. Mm-hmm. We got secondary ball handlers, defenders. What do you need? What night is it? Tuesday, Friday? We got something for you. <laughs> well, I'm just going to say it. Best 14th man in the league. Unquestionably, <laughs> right? We talked about the dimensions. We talked about the elite corner three-point shooting. He has been a Celtics killer. And if nothing else, Brad is gathering up all of the available Celtics <laughs> killers and stashing yeah. them on the bench. That's going to mean something for the Celtics. So I love the signing. I, I just uh, Maybe I just love it for the fact that there's some news. It's an oasis in the desert, as we're starting to call it, uh, in the, these depths of the offseason. Um, but I think it's a great signing in that, you know, really the, the biggest addition that you can add to add success to the Jays, which, as we know, are the most important factor in our title hopes, is just spacing around them and shooting and, and finishing. The defenses are going to collapse on the Jays. We know this. We need solid kickout options. And if you can stuff the corners with guys like Mihailuk, you're going to see success from the Jays' perspective and, and points on the board. I, it is interesting, like, the criticism, one of the major criticisms of the Celtics last year was it's like jacking too many threes. And a little bit, Brad Stevens is like, hold my fucking beer. <laughs> like, yeah. like, who he assigned to this roster since then. Um, so I love it. So there's one r- roster spot <laughs> remaining. Does it go to Blake Griffin, Jake? Yeah, that's funny, though. You're, you are right. We sent out Marcus Smart and brought in KP and yeah. more shooting with. It's, it is hilarious. Um, I hope that Blake gets the, the last spot. It does feel like that's enough wings now. I know, oh, Ben, yeah. you were. Begging, begging for Brad Stevens to not be done. I'm not sure if this feels your, feels your thirst, quenches your, your thirst, satiates your hunger for one more move. <laughs> Is this exactly what you were thinking? 
I mean, dimensionally speaking, he's not the wing <laughs> I yearn for, but yeah, I think my cup is filled. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I hope it's Blake, because I don't think that between Hauser, Walsh, Brissett, Sfee- Bam. Like, what's the- yeah, Banton as well. Like, what's the point of bringing in Warren or Stevens now? I guess maybe one of them, like, hits, but at this point, I don't think, you know, TJ Warren's not- has doesn't have undiscovered upside, neither does Fee. Lamar Stevens, I think, is kind of in that mid- to late 20s range as well, who I who I like to actually like Lamar Stevens, definitely the more defensive-minded option of those guys. But I feel like if we have if we're gonna go with one of those guys, we may as well just throw may as well just throw Walsh out there. It should be Blake. We haven't found out the deal yet. Like is it gonna be a true minimum? Um we assume so. I didn't know Spooner, you were saying if it's not, then that would be part of the the tax like the MLE, which would hard cap us, so we're probably not gonna do that. Which means there's a little bit of cash left over for Blake Griffin. All the all the breadcrumbs feel like they're they're pointing towards Bra- uh, Blake coming back, right? With him talking about how much he loves Boston on the golf course and being at Sam Houser's wedding, like he feels very Celticsy. Like where is he? Where is he going to go? Is he going to get more than a minimum anywhere else? Like no, and he, he may as well try and hang out with the fellas and get a chip. Dude, when we had Trill on, he's like, I'm telling you, Blake is not signing until training camp is over because yeah, he doesn't yeah. want to report. Like, I think that's what's happening here. Like, we have an open spot. Blake makes so much sense as that last roster spot because he knows what Joe wants to do. He knows what Joe's expecting of him. And he knows he's going to play. You know, he's going to get like 15 games where he plays 20 plus minutes a night. There's not a lot of teams like that are contending where he will actually play a legitimate role. And look, we've said it once, we'll say it again. Blake was pretty good when he, he actually great. played last yeah, year. Like, yeah. yeah, he was fine. He shot like basically 40% for three, taking charges. Like he was good. So, you know, doing the handoff game. So I'm all in on Blake as the last spot. I think that's oh, what's going to oh, happen. You are? you are all yeah. in on Blake? Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Never a bad idea. Bang. This why, yeah, this is why we don't delete those clips from our stream. It's, it's always a good idea. Uh, someone was asking about Svi Mihailuk's uh, injury concerns in the chat, and I was just Googling that, and it looks like there are no such concerns. So mm-hmm. most recent injury, 2022, that was health and safety protocols, so whatever. And then it was back in 2020, he had a hip issue, 2019, a knee issue, and then uh, a couple of finger fractures in 2019 as well. So it's only 26, but so far, I'm mean, safe to say he has not yeah. been played by injuries at all outside of COVID uh, thus far in his career, which looking down the rest of the roster, like we need someone with that ability to stay healthy. So that's great. Yeah, uh, well, yeah I was going to say like this question here, like we need a big, is Blake enough? I'm not sure. I think I would push back a little bit in, as far as we need a big because I would say three of our top six players now are bigs. And then you go to your fourth big man as Luke Cornett. I think he's pretty good. And leg- like legitimately, I-, I agree in the sense that the injury prone and the age of Horford. Blake at 15 games, dude. He's fine. He's, he's good. Fine. He's fine. Yeah. Making the right decision is like r- all you need to do in this offense to rack up regular season wins. I think Blake and Sfee kind of fit that mold. Yeah. Blake's just a cool dude. Give me cool dudes <laughs> all the time, every day. I want cool dudes on the team. 
I know this is not analytical. Maybe it is. Like, maybe from a vibes perspective, there are analytics that are uh, untrackable, and yet- No. Anyway, you guys know what I'm saying. No, I agree. Um, like, and you send out Marcus, like, you, we, we got to ensure that the vibes um, maintain the ceiling of the immaculate level they've reached at times over the last couple of years. The delicate chemistry. Brad's in the <laughs> lab, getting it done. All right. Speaking of Brad Stevens, he was recently interviewed on WEEI Radio, and he had uh, a lot of- very insightful updates on a lot of things that we care deeply about, in particular, the health status of Kristaps Porzingis as we run a clip here. And Kristaps, we now know, has that foot injury. What is the challenge of bringing someone into a new locker room while they're simultaneously rehabbing, coming up to training camp? Yeah, I'm not concerned about that. I mean, he's in Latin or he's in um, he's he's out at the FIBA tournament with the team. So he's he's doing his rehab there. We were. We were with him in the 10 days. Our training staff was with him in the 10 days as he was diagnosed with plantar fascia. He went through all the progressions. He really tried to ramp up and play and, you know, just determined, like, I don't want to deal with lingering effects down the road. And so this is something that we should be able to navigate and manage in the next few weeks and be ready for training camp. And so we're, we're, you know, we're planning on having him on day one of training camp. Um, I, I dealt with plantar fascia towards my later years of playing, which was a long, long time ago. I don't deal with it anymore, you know, like, um, and I didn't deal with it after I took the appropriate rest, right? So if you manage it, if you treat it correctly, and then you ramp back up at the right rate, then it's got a lot less chance of being a lingering issue. So again, it's, this is not like, his foot's this isn't fall off. Yeah, this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Okay, good. This isn't what good. I would call a significant injury that you're concerned about, big picture. It's clutching to those words, those final words. <laughs> this isn't what I'd consider a significant injury. Spoonie, do you buy it? Do you buy what Brad's selling here? Uh, yes, I think I do. I think I buy it, but I also think like this is just another injury in a long line of Porzingis injuries, right? So like... I buy that this one's not a big deal, but I it's not going to change my thoughts on the greater idea about the Porzingis trade where it's like super high risk, but it's also super high reward. So I also like that Brad was like, he's in Latvia. Wait, no, he's yes. with the Latvians. <laughs> like he was like, where's this tournament happening? Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. Whatever. I'm just going to move on. That I'm, made I'm me glad, laugh. Yeah. I'm glad you picked that up, Spoonie, because I've also been confused at where this tournament is. It's like, it's it's happening in multiple countries. It's in Manila. Yes. It's in Japan. And so I know, I saw, Brad, we all saw Brad's face. He's like, wait a second. I have I don't know. This I'm just moving either. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As well, apparently. Yeah, and Indo. So it's yeah. like, it's very confusing. I don't know how the, the, to the tournament itself is confusing. Then now they're into the second stage, which is more group stages. But also, anyway, that's, yeah. a, that's an aside. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel you. So so are you buying it as well, Jake? The the sentiment from Brad that it's nothing to be worried about? Because I, I need this. I need this <laughs> to be a thing. So I'm just curious how you, there, you feel about there, it. Yeah. There was one more little bit after where he said- in our draft evaluations, when we're doing free agency evaluations, when it comes to medical stuff, plantar fascia is like not something we worry about. Like that's not something on the list of concerns when you look at evaluating a player's health. That's not really a red flag. Trill, when he was on here, MVP, Embiid had plantar fascia going into last season. Also, seven foot two, behemoth, injury history, literally won the MVP. So, like, 
specifically plantar fascia this injury, I actually I, I don't think it's a big deal. I prefer him to not have it. If I could choose door right. number B where he didn't have it, then I would choose that. <laughs> right. um, but like, uh, I don't think it's a big deal. He was saying he's gonna be ready for training camp, like not not just the season, but like they expect him to be there for day one of training camp. And then Brad going with like the the, the classic, like, yeah, I had it. I had plantar fascia too. It's fine. Yeah, in my <laughs> playing days. It's like when you when you go on Twitter and you see people below talking about like, oh, when I did my MCL, I was back in X time. It's like. None of your experiences are relevant to these athletes at all with their recovery and their bodies. But thank you anyway. <laughs> well, we've got some more gospel from Brad here. Let's check it out. And our bigs were pretty thin. And, and, you know, when Rob was out at the start of the year, those guys that played in his place did an amazing job of kind of keeping us afloat. Like Blake was as good as it gets on and off the court. You know, Luke did a really good job. Al with at 36 years old did a great job we just can't put that much on those guys and continue to expect it to be at the level we need it to be so we had to address kind of the the balance of the roster is a big part of it and then you know it's just time it's time for guys to to continue to show the growth that we need to show to to get to where we need to go and as part of that you oftentimes have to make tough decisions and you bring in talented players. The only way you're going to do that other than draft is trade somebody out. And that's really, really the difficult part of it. So we'll see how it all plays. We'll see how it all plays out. We'll see how it all fits together. Chris Stapp seems to be in a really good place. Like he's, he, he is focused on what matters. Like he's coming here to do his part to help us win. And that's what's very clear in communicating with him when he came for his press conference. So, yeah, so acknowledging that this is a high-risk maneuver in in leaning in on some very injury-prone big men in particular, would you guys agree that the roster is much more well-balanced now? I think it it definitely is. And, you know, he spoke about having to lean way too heavily on Al Horford and Rob Williams, like, coming off that that injury, that surgery to begin last season. And now you add in Porzingis, you know, an elite player at his position. Yes, you take away Marcus Smart, but there's sufficient guard depth, and we're going to get into to Peyton Pritchard, who is at the bottom end of that depth uh, shortly, the roster is just way better balanced, right? And you know, factoring in that injury risk, which is always a factor, going into the season, like you've, you've got to feel better about, I want to call it a championship balance, right? Like They're just, they're just more well-stocked at every single position. Am I wrong, Spoonie? So, I, I think I, I just can't get over the fact that, like, man, Porzingis just kind of scares me. Like with the injury history, but I think on the court, like if we're talking everybody's healthy, there is no more high risk, high reward than Marcus Smart. Like that is entire mantra. Like he's taking insane threes, (laughs) like he's diving on the floor, like he's doing like behind the back, off the backboard passes once in a while. So like that was this whole mantra. So um yeah, I, I think the team is definitely more balanced. We were very guard heavy last year and pretty wing light. I'm not sure we solved being wing light just because like Grant's out the door. You're replacing him with Brissett. Um and I guess Hauser's gonna get more minutes. Uh but then you think like on the big side of things, like it was really just Al and Rob and they're so you know, you can't you just can't count on both of them to be healthy, like for every mm-hmm. single series in a playoff in a playoff run. So 
having Porzingis, like if he stays healthy, like I think this team is unequivocally no argument better. Um, I think he's a better player than Marcus <laughs> Smart, but nice Benzine. Uh, I'm yeah, so yeah. I days. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> like Porzingis is really, really good. It's just like as long as he stays healthy. But now we're talking about our third. That's three big men we have to worry about staying healthy. You know, which kind of scares me. I actually disagree that it's it's only two we have to worry about. I get that Al's getting old, but he literally fair fair does is fine. Like never injured, so like he yeah. is, is is as durable as like LeBron at at yeah. this point. Um, Fair. It is interesting, and Spoonie, you touched on it with Alex Hoops as well, and we've spoken about it, the idea that it was time. And I feel like that was the first time we'd heard Brad kind of echo some of the sentiment mm-hmm. that we've talked about, about it's being time. He didn't necessarily say it, Jason and Jalen, you, you need to step up, but it, that's, that's what this means. If you're sending out Marcus, it's time for people to step up, and it's time. They're talking about Jalen and Jason. That's why wing depth... It's nice to have for the regular season. The wing depth doesn't really matter for the playoffs because Jalen and Jason are going to play 40 minutes a night, like plus. So it's nice we've got this stable of guys. And then the second bit, balancing the roster. I, th- I think that Brad saw the level that the team reached in 22 when they were just historically good on defense. They were wiping teams off the floor night in, night out. They didn't quite get back to the to that level consistently in the playoffs because of Rob's injury. But the best the Celtics have looked in the Jays era was that 22 season, and that was when they went to that double big lineup. And I think Porzingis gives you the best chance of reaching those levels. He, you can play him mm-hmm. with Rob. You can play him with Al yep. alone. I think he is a way you unlock that ceiling on, and not just defensively, but offensively, I think, as well. And so you send out Marcus, but Derek wasn't really part of that. Like you can put Derek into that to that lineup, and that's the, I think their best chance of winning a title because they we, we as much as we love Tatum, he's not quite at Jokic, Giannis, Steph Curry level, and that's that's okay because that's an absurd highly level. But so how do we get there? We've got to raise the total ceiling of this team. I think Porzingis recapturing that. Twin tower versatility on both ends. That's the way that you get there. Yeah, and real quick, I uh, just real quick, Porzingis <laughs> will murder a Miami zone. Like yes. he will murder a Miami zone, and we just we struggled with it, dude. Like you know we have, and that's just he's just a one man fix to that. Jake, and I'll ask you as well, Spoonio. I'm curious to hear your thoughts, and folks in the chat. Interested to hear your responses to this question. Is this the most under the microscope the Boston Celtics have been for you personally during an off season? Because to me, it is like where like we we made it to the finals in 2022, and it like we talked about this, but it kind of di- it didn't feel so bad to lose because it felt like we were just going to get right back there, and then we did it, and so now expectations have kind of been reset a little bit, and now we've made these seismic changes. And I feel like this is the the most closely I've watched and tried to measure change and predict the outcome during an off season that I, that I've ever felt. So, Jake, does it is it more under a microscope for you this off season than it ever has been in the past? Well, this is the first time they've made real seismic changes. I think in the Jays era, like we like losing Horford, that but that that was obviously huge. 
um, trading for like losing Kyrie and bringing Kemba. But that almost feels like a different era to me. Um, since Jalen and Jason have become like the guys, this, this is what going into year three of it, maybe right? Because Kemba was yeah. still here. Um, in that bubble season, mm-hmm. and it feels like a lot longer. Man, we're aging quick following the Celtics team. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like this, I think is why it's hard to. It's fun to talk about. It's hard to predict uh, because we we don't know what it's going to look like. Because going into last season and the year and the years previous, we had a pretty good idea of how it was going to look. We'd seen these guys play together so much that we knew that where they could get to on a night to night basis, where they could get to in the playoffs. So this definitely feels like the most different, the most unpredictable offseason we've had for a while now. So yeah, I think that's that's fair assessment. Yeah, I, I think the only one that could even contest it is when we made the Eastern Conference Finals with IT. Mm-hmm. Um and everyone was like, Wow, are they gonna sign IT to the max uh, oh, yeah. when he hurt his hip? And that would have been maybe the worst contract in basketball history. <laughs> unfortunately i mean that would have been john it would have been john wall level really was, like he was out of the was. league yeah, yeah yeah so that would have probably been the worst contract in in you know nba history and they didn't we traded for Kyrie instead um so but like i don't even think that really compares as far as like evaluating every single step like it just feels like signing svi mihailuk like oh my god is he gonna bury a big three in the second round that's gonna <laughs> yeah. get us you know what i mean like Hell win yeah. a game like he might you know <laughs> like it just feels really really important i think z gamer hit it in the chat is like the big three celtics they want to they want to chip immediately right so um when we were going into 2010 season it was like it's kind of gravy at that point you know what i mean like it worked it already worked and we haven't quite got there with the jays so yeah, I, I at least in my lifetime, this is easily the most intense off season, and it, it will con- next year if we don't win a championship. Right. Next year will be double down. even more intense. <laughs> yeah, it will be, man. Yeah. Like it's not going to get easier. Yeah, I love it. Exciting time. Embrace <laughs> it, folks. It's it's a good place to be. All right, we're going to move on, uh, but before that, a very quick word from us. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. Visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Massachusetts 21 plus and present MA first online real money wager only $10 first deposit required bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt restrictions apply see terms at fanduel.com backslash sportsbook hope is here gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support play it smart from the start gamesensema.com or call one 800 GAM1234. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends 918.23. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV. 
YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. Subscription renews. Cancel anytime. Sponsor. <laughs> yes, Jesse Almeida in the chat. I'm just ready for the Celtics begin. Yeah. Same. I was I was like very happy for a break once the conference finals and finals ended. Um and even summer league, I was like, okay, I definitely feel like I need a breath. Like the last two runs. The game sevens in the second round and conference finals two years in a row is just so much unnecessary stress and anxiety. Pain. Um, and <laughs> that too. Um, and in, yeah, and so I was happy for a break, but like these last week or two, I'm ready. I'm so ready. Let's, let's get preseason firing. Let's, let's go. Let's do this. Yeah, well, a couple of quick newses here before we move on to to Peyton Pritchard, and let's just let's spend like two or three minutes on these because there's really no substance to either of them. First one, <laughs> Mark Spears on a recent pod quote: "I know that Boston. I know Jason Tatum's called Damian Lillard. He's tried to get in Dame's ear, but his focus is definitely on Miami. Spoody, like what what's going on here? Is this?" Is this anything? I'd, I'd happily move on immediately. I, I think there's kind of nothing to this, but it was, you know, top of the <laughs> top of the hits on. Uh, oh, that's not the right terminology at all. But of it was trending. trending. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I'm not that old. I promise. Um, <laughs> it, it has been spoken about online by people uh, a lot. So, is there anything to this? You know, I, I just think Tatum. It, look. We kind of understand the cap. We understand like you got to match salaries and stuff like that. Like Jason Tatum is not in in the room with Mike Zarin being like, well, if we were going to trade for Damian Lillard, we'd have to trade Jalen. Like he's not about, you know what I mean? He's not getting into it. You don't think Zarin's doing the thing like they do in FBI movies where they pick up the phone at the same time and listen in? Jason, here's the deal. No, like that's not happening. You know what I mean? So he just picks up the phone, calls Dame like, yo, you should play in Boston. Like there's, I don't, I really don't think there's anything to it. I just think he's like, oh, Dame's really good. I'll call him and see if we can get him. Yeah. Yeah. It would be nice to have the Jason Tatum called Dame and now he's reconsidering um, report just to, mm. just to show that Tatum has that sway. The problem is I, obviously this comment is, I haven't listened to it. I'm, I'm assuming it was like kind of in passing. Um, Tatum's just like not the guy that gets involved with this stuff, especially at this point. Like Jalen's, you know, he does the interviews with the coded everything, and even Giannis. We haven't we haven't we hit the Schadenfreude report on the most recent Giannis article, but there was some juicy stuff in there. Oh yeah, Tatum up until now doesn't really seem to care about anything really, except for playing for the Celtics and like being a dad like there's just so little off court there's like article drama there's really nothing so I don't think he's really pushing so I I to me it's like you know I didn't actually really try and get Dame so he couldn't really deny me if that if that makes sense it's like mm-hmm. you know I just it was like it was like a it's just a passing snapchat it wasn't even a real it wasn't even on a messenger app it was just a snapchat message he sent to Dame that's that's what I imagine all right, well, let's move on then. Uh, it's just, you know, whenever two big names end up in the news, like Lillard sure. and Tatum, and one of them plays for your team, you've got to at least, you know, brush up against it on the pod here. Okay, Romeo Langford has signed an Exhibit 10 contract with the Utah Jazz, according to Tony Jones of the, of the Athletic. The deal means Romeo will be invited to training camp 
and that the Jazz will retain his rights to his G League deal should he not make the team or be claimed by another team. Jake, is he, is he really that unlikely to be claimed by an NBA roster? Like, is he, it's quite a fall from grace, right? The 14th pick. Um, and that's really the, the, the precipice, right? That's really the apex. It never I really mean, took off from there. <laughs> uh, there was like one just poster from Summer League in his second year that I'll sure. always remember. Mm. Um, there was a 17-point game, I think, in the, in the first round against the Nets. That yep. may have been the peak. Uh, Danny Ainge just can't quit Romeo Langford, though. It seems he has a soft spot for for him. I know there's some there's some people still left on Romeo Langford Island, but um, I think it's more than just the health stuff. He just didn't seem to want like have that thing where he could assert himself consistently. Um, I didn't. Yeah, like he had the tools. It seemed like he had the skills. It felt like to be successful, but um, if he was if he wasn't able to stick around with the Spurs. I don't, I don't feel very confident for uh, for old Romeo Langford. Ben, you may have to cut this from the audio pod, but <laughs> I think it. I think it was before we had Jake um, join the pod. We had a uh, somebody who knows the Celtics, and he was just like a- after he was like, "I'm not putting this on record. I'm not going to say who it was." Afterwards, when we were just BSing after we were done, he was like. Romeo Langford does not care about basketball. <laughs> like he doesn't. He just. He's just not a hard worker. He doesn't care. And I think everything about his career makes me think that human was correct. Yes. Because, uh, like he's got talent, man. He's got like his first steps, not bad. He's athletic. He's like six, 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 seven. Yeah. Huge wingspan, seven foot wingspan. Like great dimensions. Yep. Yeah, yeah, a dimensions guy and like decent shooting from the corners. Like, there's nothing about him that says like he should not carve out an NBA career, and he's just not doing it. And it just seems like maybe he's just not working hard enough. You know, it is funny. Like, I I feel like Danny would say he prides himself on the ability to evaluate people's like mentality. Yeah, I feel like that's how he's you know he nailed it on Jalen and yeah. and Jason. Uh, his ability to identify the dog, let's call Richard, it. Richard, Neesmith, like Marcus those guys Smart. are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So he just, maybe he just missed it on, on Langford and like, that's okay. The 14th pick is so far away from like a lock, but um, yeah. to miss it on the mentality side of things is, is somewhat surprising to me, but here's what it is. Yeah. I was really excited for Romeo when he uh, signed with the Spurs or was he traded to the Spurs when he ended up yeah, on the Spurs because I, I thought Derek that. White. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, there you go. And I thought the the Popovich factor, the Spursian culture, uh, would be a really good influence on him. And maybe it will end up to have been the case. Um, but an Exhibit 10 deal is not what you hope for your 14th pick. And so shortly after after that draft. So uh, best of luck to Romeo. Like, we love him. He's yeah. center, you know, he's um, front and center in many recent uh, weird Celtics Twitter memes. Like, we love the guy. So we hope the best for him. But we are going to move on and talk about... This guy. Coming up next. One on the clock for Pritchard. Got it! Splashdown! It's place here in Atlanta. Getting more burn in the absence of Marcus Smart. Got to a nice spot.
was so good, Ben. That was so good. <laughs> I'm learning after effects. So Peyton Pritchard hopefully is uh is sharpening his tools in the offseason like I have been. Uh, 61 points recently alongside Isaiah Thomas at the Ball Don't Stop Pro, uh, Pro-Am rather, in Vancouver. Team USA select squad apparently just taking it to those, uh, those Team USA guys prior to them shipping out to um, several unknown locations in Asia there. Uh, and uh, ultimately, you know, he sort of hasn't really been discussed all that much uh, with all the changes that have been happening with the Celtics. And Jake, this is your idea. I think it's a, it's a great angle here. To we really need to give some more attention to Peyton Pritchard because I think he's going to play <laughs> a pretty important role on the Celtics this year with Marcus Smart being shipped out. I'd be curious to hear both of your thoughts. Jake, we'll start with you. Like, how do you see Peyton Pritchard's role changing from last year to this year? Obviously, obviously there's going to be an increase in minutes, but just as a role player on the team, maybe his his like numerical place in the rotation. How do you think that's going to change? I'm really excited for for Pritchard because I thought he proved himself to be an NBA player in his rookie season. And then the following year, he still got got run, but less so. And then, and obviously the Celtics make the finals. And then last year, he like he doesn't have a role, basically, right? Um, and I think there's there's a bit of there's a pretty wide range of how people feel about Pritchard. I think some people think that he's like a start a quality player i'm not i'm not there on pritchard and then there's other people that are like he he just has this boston gas where he's he's overhyped if he was any other team he uh he wouldn't be getting this kind of publicity etc um and he should be out of the league type of thing i think it's definitely somewhere in the middle but i think this role right now to me he's the ninth man on the team he's the third guard and it's a perfect role for him in his rookie season where the team went 36 and 36, he was sixth on the team in minutes um, where he played like 1,268. Quick reminder of that team. Uh, Tristan Thompson started. Daniel Tice also played over 1,000 minutes leading that double bigs lineup. Kemba Walker only played 43 games that season. Marcus only played 45. It was a shorter season. It was only 72 games because of COVID. Shemi almost 1,000 minutes. Jeff Teague, 600 minutes. Romeo Langford, 280. Carson Edwards, 280 minutes. Like, this roster was... <laughs> this roster was a disaster. Like, it was awful. And for Peyton Pritchard to be six on the team in minutes on a team that actually goes 500, I actually think's a positive sign. Like, if you were to put him in a role that, where he's playing minutes on a team that actually has talent, for example, the 2021-2022 season, so he played 36 games of 13 or more minutes... The Celtics went 22 and 14. That's like a 48 win pace. And interestingly, which I think fits perfectly with this, is that the four games where he played 30 minutes or more, the Celtics lost all four of those games. Like he's not a 30 minute a night mm-hmm. player. He's a mm-hmm. 15, a 13. Just, I have him down at 16 minutes per game at the moment in the following season. At that spot, he's perfect. So I'm really excited for Pritchard this summer coming season. Yeah, I, I, so um, I think Pritchard's biggest strength is the fact that he plays really, really well off Jason Tatum. And um, he, so when he was a rookie, I, one of my like 
the one of the most popular things I ever wrote is probably because of the title. It was called Whipping Out His PP, how Ime <laughs> Udoka has, or is, I guess the second year, how Ime Udoka has weaponized Peyton Pritchard. And like what he basically did is like when Tatum runs those bench units, Pritchard's the guy setting the pick. And then he pops every single time he pops. And, and, you know, Tatum gets doubled against those bench bench units all the time. And then it's just a dump off to Pritchard and either just fires from above the break or he like drives into the lane, lays it up like the dude knows how to play basketball and he's an elite shooter. Like he shot 36 percent from three last year. He was still 39 percent from above the break. His corner three kind of left him. But like. He didn't play that much. You yeah, know, it's, it, it's it's tough to be an elite shooter when you're not playing a ton. He didn't get a lot of attempts from the corner, right? I bet if he got 200 attempts from the corner, he'd be up around 40%. So, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think the thing I like most about Pritchard is that he just pushes the ball. Like, yeah. he gets it, he makes a quick decision, and he goes. And, like, that's that's the foundation of a guy who knows his role knows he's not going to be playing 36 minutes a night. He's going to be playing 15 and he's going to take open shots. He's going to push the ball and he's going to play his balls off on defense, which he always does, right? He's not a great defender, but he always plays super hard. So I'm, yeah, I'm with you, Jake. I'm excited for Pritchard next year. I think he's going to surprise some people who've gone, gone out on him after last year. Yeah. And you can form a multiple minute highlight clip of just Peyton Pritchard like tenacious offensive rebounds like yeah. among the trees. And that's just a picture yeah. of the tenacity that he brings. And we talk about it all the time, but with Marcus Smart going out and Grant Williams going out, we're looking for that in, I don't want to say unknown places because we know that Pritchard possesses that, but like, thank God he's still on the roster and thank God he's going to be playing a bigger role because we're going to need that from him. And then this is what year four in the league for Pritchard mm-hmm. now you know, yeah. he's got that maturity. He was, a, I think, a four-year senior coming out of college. Mm-hmm. So, he's not young and he's got that confidence. You would hope. I'm speculating here, but his fourth year in the league. He knows who he is. He knows he can perform on multiple stages. Pro-amp, sure. It's not NBA level. But uh, by all accounts, he, he don't want to say dominated, but performed really well on, on that USA Select team. Like, he knows who he is. And he wasn't traded. Marcus Smart was traded. That's a nod of confidence from Brad Stevens in the front office and like, we need you, bro. Stick around. <laughs> You're going to play more minutes this year. And yep. uh, I'm just really, really thankful that we have some tenacity that we can go to culture-wise and, of course, on the court as well. Now, look, we've been playing some clips from Brad Stevens' WEEI interview earlier in the pod. We're going to play another one because, Jake, I believe this comment from Brad was sort of the impetus for this segment. Here. As you look at, As you looked at it, just simply from a roster construction standpoint last year, Peyton really got squeezed, obviously, because our guards were so deep, you know, with Marcus, with Malcolm, with Derek, you know, you slide Jason to the point a lot with that group or he brought the ball up a lot. You know, and it's like, why would Brad mention Peyton Pritchard? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because we're going to see a lot more of him and he's going to be the 11. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) The windy 11. Uh, Really should have played that clip clip to begin the segment. Sorry, guys. So, okay, we've kind of we've talked about where we think he's going to be in the rotation. Minutes per game, like, I know it's hard to slap a number on that, but, like, he's got to be up around, I don't know, like, 16? I think he needs high? to... I, it's going to be interesting to see. I actually did 
actually try and come up with the the minutes rotation. See how fast this uploads. See what you think here. Whoa. So this is um this is wishful thinking. But Tatum and Jalen only play thirty four minutes a night. Um, but at this current and then KP twenty eight, Robin now split at twenty four. Brogdon 28, Hauser at 18, Pritchard at 16. Ooh, I think that's some wishful thinking. I hope you're right. But so what, which part of it's wishful low. thinking? For Pritchard? Um, the, well, Pritchard, I think, is right on 16, but yep. the bigs playing, was it 28, 24? Well, Brog- um, uh, KP's playing 28. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so you think that's too high for, the, for Al and Rob? I think it's too low for what Missoula will definitely force them to do. (laughs) I I hope that it's that low. I think it's spot on when everyone's healthy. Sure. But like if we're if we're trying to like predict what he's gonna end the season with, I bet you Pritchard's like twenty. Just Mm. because like Brogdon's gonna miss games, you know, like I I don't know, like Jalen Brown's gonna miss a couple games. It just and the the bigs, who knows, dude? Like, yeah. who who knows with those guys? Like, I, I it's just that's going to be really difficult. But I I think you're pretty spot on, Jake. When everybody's healthy, and that's still 16 minutes is a big role. Eight yeah, minutes a half is legit for a dude on a championship contender when everybody's healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that fits, and I think that fits him great. It's like it's enough for him to come in and inject. Uh, Spray some energy all over the court. Uh, (laughs) PP energy everywhere. (laughs) Um, But not long enough for it to be like, as I said, the the four games where he played 30 minutes are over in that 21-22 season, they were 0-4. So it's like, there's 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 a middle ground with how much, you know, you want your- to whip out the PP. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, words to live by. Uh, <laughs> question, for, <laughs> question for the chat and for you guys as well. Is Peyton Pritchard the biggest quote unquote baller on this team? I think you guys know what I mean well, when I ask that, right? Like we know yeah. what epitomizes a, a quote unquote baller, like street ball well, kind of finesse, yeah. a bit of well, showiness. Hooper, right? Hooper, sure. Yeah, it's another way of yeah. putting it. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. he is. I think he is. Well, I think the fact that he now holds the record at the Ball Don't Stop Pro-Am, who is like the founder of like the the pop culture phenomenon that is pure Hooper, um, the fact that he now holds the record for the Hooper tournament, I think is a yes. Peyton Pritchard, yeah, that's the thing. He can turn up anywhere and he's going to have an impact because he can just like drop, drop it from 30 feet or whatever court he he turns into. I think it goes to Tatum though. I think he's born, born for buckets. Oh, that's yeah. that's exactly what it, it's Tatum, dude. Watch his <laughs> high school highlight. Yeah. Watch his high school highlights, dude. Tatum was just like basically playing a pro am game against children. Like he's just like <laughs> pulling up for mid range. Like this is easy, dunking on people. Like it's it's got to be Tatum. But if it's not Tatum. Yeah, it's it's yeah, PP's up there. Pritchard's up say, there. Like Der- Derek, is, I don't yeah. know. Well, Derek, Derek makes a case, but it's like not not like not like a he, he's not a pure hooper. He's more yeah. just like he's a basketball player. He's gonna do the fundamentals. He's gonna yeah. take the charges. He's gonna get. Yeah, hands. Gonna say, he's he's yeah. the dude taking charges and pick up. You're like yeah, Fuck exactly, off, dude. Yeah, yeah. He's he's yeah. getting over yeah. screens, chase yeah. down blocks. Yeah. yeah, like he's gonna he's gonna be good no matter where he goes. But it's gonna be in a different, very different way yeah. than Peyton Pritchard being good anyway. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like Pritchard, he's gonna he's not like setting screens. He's not like the garbage mm-hmm. man with a hard hat on. Uh, well, I know I just conflated two different analogies. 
Uh, he's like he's gonna cross <laughs> someone up, and he's gonna like come out there and be like, "Who's this guy?" And then like drop to the floor the best player on the court. He's just gonna yeah. go with them. Like he is a baller, you know. And I, I, if he wasn't an NBA player, I'd love to think he's like out there, Billy Hoyle style, hustling, just bowling <laughs> the, the courts of the world. I think he's he's got that in him more than anyone else in the Celtics. So let us know in the chat. Let us yeah. know in the comments after the fact. Yeah. Well, I mean, then allegedly got in a brawl in uh, in Massachusetts. Like he's he's just. He's got that dog in him, so, yeah. allegedly. Obviously, he, you couldn't see him in the video at all, but he was definitely. He's got that. He's got that mass hole in him, baby. Yeah, we've exactly. already adopted him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's end on this. Uh, Celtics legend, NBA referee Eric Lewis is retiring <laughs> effective immediately. So the league is ending its investigation into his social media activity. And for context, because I didn't have all the details when this news came out yesterday. So for context, per ESPN, before the finals, some now deleted tweets were revealed by a pair of then Twitter users that appeared to show a referee defending himself and other officials against critiques of their work. The league opened an investigation into whether Lewis violated NBA rules by speaking about officiating in an unauthorized manner. It had not been determined whether Lewis was using the account, which used the name Blair Cutliffe. Lewis was not selected as one of the 12 referees to work the finals between Denver and the Nuggets, uh, the Denver Nuggets rather, and the Miami Heat, while the league continued to investigate Lewis had been chosen to work the finals in each of the past four seasons. The NBA, they didn't announce whether or not it was determined that the account was actually owned by Lewis. Prior to the deletion of the Blair Cutliffe account, a response to one of the Twitter users was posted from someone claiming to be Eric's older brother, Mark Pablo, and they basically took accountable for owning that account and, and took the blame away from, um, from his brother, Eric, there. Also interesting to note, the Celtics are 50 yeah. and 29 in Eric Lewis games, and the second uh, are the Heat. They're 50 and 37. So, interesting correlation between the stats and reality and the accusations. This is interesting. Spoonie, I think you mentioned before we went live, like shades of, of Tim Donahue here. Is this like, is this something that's going to sort of echo in the chasms of like people questioning the integrity of the NBA for, for years to come? On the internet? Yes, but in actuality, look up the Celtics record for the last 10 years. Like, it's going to be better than 50 and 29, or it's going to be right around there. You know what I mean? So, like, it's going to look bad for us, period, but I'm pretty sure we've (laughs) won the most regular season games in the last decade other than the Warriors. So, um, look, Eric Lewis has had... Like, there's been pictures of him in Celtics jerseys. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was never mad when he was getting a Celtics game. <laughs> Can there's we get him prob- back? <laughs> yeah. So, I, do I think he was, like, overtly biased? No. Do I think he was subconsciously biased? Yes. But do I think, like, Tony Brothers, like, is subconsciously biased against the Celtics? Yes. I think there's all the refs have biases. Eric Lewis is just an idiot and tried to defend his biases when it's like you just you just like every every human being in the world has biases like you like you're going to have biases in your job and you just need to like pretend the criticism doesn't exist and Eric Lewis couldn't help himself. So like clearly he was helping us out a little bit like maybe it's one foul a game. Maybe it's two. Maybe it never mattered. But it's enough to like take the mask off of the NBA refing, and like you, you're just never gonna ref again. I'm sorry. 
Yeah. Um, good point in the chat here. This may have been a bigger loss than Marcus Smart. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to say. Yeah, look, this is pretty funny um, for yeah. Celtics fans, I guess. Less so for everybody else, probably. It's but uh, definitely guilty, it feels like, because obviously the fact that he's not referring anymore, ending the investigation, which is him basically retiring, um, but still getting his pension. You know, shout out the unions. Um, getting that one done. Um, I will. Um, I think the most important thing to take away here, what I've been able to find on Twitter so far, Eric Lewis refereed game six, Boston in Milwaukee, the Jason Tatum 46-point game, where it has been brought to my attention that Giannis picked up his fourth foul um, with about seven minutes to go in the third quarter. Went back and watched. For some reason, that you can't click on the fouls in uh, like NBA stats and stuff, but I was able to find one of the fouls, his fourth foul, that fourth foul in the third quarter, seven minutes ago, was a take foul on Grant Williams where he did – it was like borderline, but he, he, he didn't even complain. Giannis, no one, no one on the court complained. Also in that game, Giannis had 44, 20 rebounds, six assists, and went 14 for 15 from the free throw line. So right. – Fuck off. He did okay. Yeah. Fuck yeah. off is right. <laughs> he did okay. So, and Tatum's hitting every step back. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. not nothing to do with Eric Lewis. Tatum's hitting step yeah. backs yeah. in people's eyeballs. Like, yeah. you, you can't influence that. Not, not yeah. with the whistle in your mouth. Absolutely. I just, not. yeah, I just want to prepare everybody that's in the chat that is potentially going to have to come up against a tweet, a family member, a friend who comes across this information as well. Your counter, um, I believe, will be um, the argument that I just laid out. I want you to be prepared beautiful, um, beautiful. as well. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> well, look, before we wrap up, as a bit of a tip of the cap to uh, and a farewell to a Celtics legend in Eric Lewis. We've got some <laughs> Eric Lewis highlights to run here. Well, they're going to pin down for James. James comes up top, gets it. James on the drive, gets in the paint, layup, missed it. And the game is over. Lakers furious. They thought he was fouled. Oh, excuse me. And it's now overtime. And before overtime started, Patrick Beverly comes out on the floor to Eric Lewis with a camera. I mean, just ridiculous. And Eric Lewis rightfully tees him up. You said they thought he was fouled. He was fouled. And I would you say missing that? I had no idea that was Eric Lewis. Yeah, so good. He's like, uh, Pat Bev, you are a Laker, sir. One technical foul to you and walk away. Uh, so to be good. fair, that should have been assessed as um, being thrown, uh, being in regulation. So the Celtics should have been Blast, a shoot, free throw. A yeah. free throw in regulation, which would have meant the Celtics won the game. They won the game anyway. But so Eric Lewis, he's on top of it. He He's yeah. smart. You Take know? that, Eric yeah. Lewis haters. We'll uh, miss you, baby. We'll miss may, you. <laughs> may he ride again. All right, that's going to do it for this one. Thanks so much for joining us. Next week, we have the grand final of our 2023 off-season Celtics trivia bonanza featuring one hot take Jake Eisenberg from the First of the Floor podcast, as well as Greg Menekas from the Green with Envy pod and Sam LaFrance France from How About Them Celtics in the next couple of days. Please, please take mercy on me and submit your Celtics trivia question and category ideas to first to the floor 18 at gmail.com. That's first to the floor 18 at gmail.com. Uh, I'm running on empty here, folks. After years of devising trivia questions and categories, I need your help. Spoonie, Jake, love your work, guys. Until next time, 
Go Celtics.